Hello, good evening. This is FPL Teacher bringing you a follow-up of the four-part series that is the four tiers of the Premier League. Now, tier two is what I will talk about in part three. And tier two is the most fascinating tier of all simply because, firstly, unlike the top six that dominated the 2010s, in recent years, there have been two of the three teams that have consistently challenged the top six for European spots, namely Brighton, Wolves, Leicester and West Ham that have consistently broke into the top six, challenging the likes of Arsenal and Man United when they were not in their prime. So, tier two basically represents the mezzanine tier between people stuck in mid-table and the teams that are fighting for the title. And as things stand from 2021-2022, the teams in this bracket are perennial European contenders, Arsenal and Man United, as well as the two latest challengers in the form of West Ham and Leicester, who were involved in Europe last season as well. So tier two is interesting because number one, most of these teams in this bracket are already involved in Europe. So it has bearing on their results. And secondly, their characteristics versus the rest of the league, particularly Tier 3 and Tier 4 mentioned in Part 1 and Part 2 of this series, brings very intriguing results. Teams from Tier 2. The tier that basically consists of teams that have fallen from grace, who are in turmoil or transition, as most media would put it, as well as teams that are slowly but surely breaking past the mid-table chasing pack, either through a new manager or a new found style or even a marquee signing in certain cases. Now, to challenge for Europe consistently, you have to have a consistent win performance, particularly at home, over the tiers below you. And this shows in the teams that are in this tier. Arsenal, West Ham, Leicester and Man United basically have a consistent win record against people that the teams that are basically not in the top four from last season. And this isn't just backed up by the results. If you looked at their XG difference, so if you take their XG and you subtract their XG allowed, only Arsenal, West Ham and Man United have a significant difference at home against away. So it the difference is basically like double digits. So they exhibit positive 13, 12 XG at home in terms of goal difference. And then they basically go into the negatives when they are away from home. So when you exhibit this type of behavior, home form really counts. And we will see how this matters, particularly in the latter stages of this podcast. For now, characteristic-wise, teams in Tier 2, number one, have a significant home advantage against teams that are not title contenders. Teams that are not involved in Europe in particular exhibit behavior that is so consistent at home that they barely lose against teams outside the top six. So... Arsenal, who were not involved in Europe last season, basically only suffered two draws and one loss against the other 16 teams, if you didn't include Chelsea, 
Liverpool and Man City at home. And this goes to show that when you do not have the burden of Europe on your shoulders, home advantage is a thing. Now, moving on to players that benefit from this arrangement if you are better than everyone else in the league. Usually, your top goal scorers or whoever that performs well in preseason will eventually come to the fore. So, last season was particularly noticeable especially from West Ham's perspective, who usually doesn't dominate teams, where the partnership between Saeed Benrahma in the number 10 position, as well as Antonio, basically reaped eight goals between the pair in the first eight games. Antonio had five goals himself. Benrahma racked up three goals and two assists, all in the first eight games. Now, teams in Tier 2 basically all exhibit this behavior where if you can identify a goal scorer, they go on massive streaks win or lose. Leicester, for example, had Jamie Vardy score seven goals in eight. Obama Young got three goals in his five games where he was available. While Mason Greenwood, before his scandal, scored four goals in eight games, despite the arrival of Ronaldo. In fact, when Ronaldo showed up, Ronaldo himself got three goals in five games when he arrived in game week four. So, that goes to show that if you are a team that consistently performs over the rest of the league bar title contenders, then you will not only have consistent results at home, you will also have a consistent goal scorer or goal scorers that will perform in the first eight games. Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk about what makes Tier 2 teams special and utilizable in Fantasy Premier League. Now, in FPL itself, what we usually care about are goal scorers. Um, And usually when we invest our money in a team that is from Tier 2, we want to basically play those players every game, whether fixtures dependent or not. And the thing about Tier 2 teams is that they are basically affected by tactical nuances that largely depend on the makeup of the team. So, first things first, it's important to understand that straightforward cases such as teams in Tier 2 that are not involved in Europe, namely Arsenal last season, basically will keep and maintain a consistent formation, the consistent goal-scoring pattern of play, and therefore will have consistent goal-scoring players as well as assisters. So even though there were times Odegaard and Bukayo Saka stood out, the common pattern of play in the first eight game weeks itself revolved around Aubameyang basically being the target man, but it was Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe who subtly attacked the ball from the wing that gained all the attention and defied stats. Now, for teams that are committed to Europe, it's not as straightforward because from game weeks 1-8 to eight last season, Leicester, Man United and West Ham all basically had an even record win, loss or draw. Leicester was one win, one draw, one loss. Man United the same. And West Ham actually suffered two losses straight after their Europa League games. Now, this is only based on data between game weeks 1-8 to eight because... This is basically the stronger part of the season where they performed. In the latter stages of the season, which we will talk about perhaps in another podcast, they basically suffered due to injuries and 
at this stage, it's important to understand that perhaps results doesn't matter. When we talk about tier 2 teams at this stage, results do not matter. Instead, we are now focusing on people that benefit from a system and it's important to pay attention to every single detail in that system because any small change, such as the captaincy rift between Aubameyang and Lacazette, basically caused uh, Ateta to flip the, flip the entire Arsenal side on his head where Lacazette eventually became captain and then the likes of Gabriel Martinelli came to the fore. Then later on in the season, Arsenal basically suffered multiple left-back injuries and they went through another loss streak before recovering and coming back, nearly snatching a real European spot. In Man United's managerial change aside, which we don't expect to happen this season, the likes of West Ham and Leicester basically suffered from the same fate. Leicester struggled to create a system using their two-striker strategy, trying to phase Jamie Vardy out. But ne that never really happened until the second half of the season when Ihea Nacho eventually gained fitness. Leicester also had massive injuries at the back where they couldn't utilize their flying fullbacks, Ricardo Pereira and Timothy Castan, because they barely lasted 60 minutes and they had to ease themselves back into action and they only became prominent figures when Leicester made the Conference League knockout stages. Whereas West Ham's streak lasted the longest, but they suffered a mini blip when Antonio got suspended in game week 5. And that was when things really started to fall apart because relying on Benrama alone was definitely not enough. And both players were pale shadows of themselves, especially after the European difficult games. Now, on to the final conclusions. In conclusion, Tier 2 teams in the Premier League basically are where you curate your FPL gems from because if you look at the Tier 2 teams, Arsenal, West Ham, Leicester and this season, Man United in particular, they're full of players that are usually underpriced. So... The reason Bukayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, Emil Smith-Rowe and all these players were extremely popular was because they started at basically the 6 million bracket and this was why the likes of James Madison, Saeed Ben-Rama and eventually Marcus Rashford, I hope this season will come good. So it's important to identify these tier 2 teams immediately and Safe enough to say, if they have decent home fixtures that are not against last season's top four, you could potentially take a hit to get them in as soon as they can because teams that have undervalued players would usually rise in price the fastest and they would fall in price the fastest as well. So there we have it. Tier 2 teams are the bread and butter of FPL. Tomorrow we will cover tier 1 teams which are more based on how we spread our risk more than anything else until tomorrow